Good morning, Dialogue. I'd like to continue the conversation that Marianne van Sel started on Sunday about keeping your kids on God's side. Now, most Christian parents want to keep their, their kids on God's side. The will is there, but we often just don't know how to do it. Now, hopefully, after this podcast and after the past weekend sermons, you will have some handles, some tools to start out uh, this journey. Now, the Bible is clear that parents must be the primary source of Christian teaching in their children's lives. You can't leave it to the church or to the Christian school to teach your children. Children's church is just an added voice on top of what your children see and hear all week in your home. We read in, in Deuteronomy 6, a very well-known piece um, in, in Hebrew called the Shema, which means listen, Israel, from verse 5 to 9. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. That's all of the time. That's throughout the whole day, before you go to bed, after you wake up, when you drive to school or to, to activities when you cook, when you eat, when you relax. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be on as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It means they, you have to give yourself reminders of what the word says, of the commandments of the Lord. Put reminders around you. The Bible physically um, needs to be part of your life. Um, you have to create ways to memorize the word. Now, there's a beautiful example of a family who followed these commandments in the New Testament. We, we read about this family in Paul's letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5 says, uh, Paul says here, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. How beautiful is that? Paul talks about how Timothy has been brought up in the way of God by his mother and his grandmother. He continues in 2 Timothy 3 verse 14 to 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned, meaning what you have learned from your mother and your grandmother, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, meaning you know you can trust your mom and your grandmom, they they brought you up, you know them, you know their love and their sincere faith, knowing from whom you've learned it and from how and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So, so Paul is, is reaching back to Timothy's upbringing and saying, you know the people who taught you, you know the scriptures, you know that it's, make, that it has, um, it's made you uh, wise for salvation. So continue in that faith, continue in what you have learned. Now in her book that, um, that Marianne also spoke about on Sunday, uh, that the book Keeping Your Kids on God's Side by Natasha Crane. Um, Natasha discusses 40 topics that you can discuss with your children to help them build a lasting 
faith. These topics include conversations about God, about worldviews and truth, about Jesus, Bible, science, and she packages it in a way that's accessible uh, as a conversation with children. Now, we're not, I'm not going to go through those 40 topics now. Um, I would suggest you, you get the book for that. But in the last chapter of this book, she gives some tips uh, of how to actually create a home where these kinds of conversations can be had. Now, we all know that, that it doesn't come naturally to most of us to just, you know, nonchalantly talk about, you know, whether the Bible has errors and contradictions or why there's evil in the world. Uh, we don't have answers to these questions naturally. And it, we, yeah, these are not the kind of conversations that we have, especially with the seven-year-old uh, after a, a day at school or before um, in the rush hour getting ready for school. Now, in this chapter, Natasha gives us five tips for having deeper faith conversations with our kids. Well, actually, Natasha gives 10, but for brevity's sake, I will, I will only share five now. So the first step is to deepen your own understanding of Christianity, to start with yourself. I suspect the main reason we don't talk about these things to our children is because we haven't probably thought them through ourselves. We, we just don't know what to say. Now, Natasha says, if you're not prepared to be the number one representative of Jesus in your kids' lives, you'll lose spiritual credibility. When you can't answer their big questions, you'll leave them wondering if all this really matters, given that you seemingly haven't given your faith as much thought as they have. That's a scary thought. So the tip here is to make continual study a way of life. And if a question pops up in your mind, to seek the answers so that when you have to have those conversations with your children or with other children or with anyone else, you have already thought about it yourself. Now, the second tip is make spiritual space in your home. All right, so let's say you've, you've taken point one seriously and you uh, are on a trajectory of deepening your understanding of Christianity, this knowledge will obviously not transfer to your children magically. We all know that most families are incredibly busy. This means that these conversations won't happen on any meaningful level if you don't make spiritual space for them. Now with spiritual space, Natasha means dedicated time for your family to engage together in growing your understanding of and your relationship with God. Now, there's, there's really no reason why such a time shouldn't be scheduled into your week, just like all the other activities in your life, all the other, I would say, less important activities in your life. So start with 30 minutes a week, once per week, 30 minutes, spiritual space where you create the forum, the platform to have these conversations and add time as you are able. Now, the third, uh, the third tip that she gives is to study the Bible together as a family. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is really Christianity. Christian Parenting 101. <laughs> we all know that we should study the Bible together as a family, but even though we all know it, statistics actually show that we're probably not doing it. Now, if, you, if our kids see that we are not serious about the Bible, they'll have little reason to see it as the authoritative book 
that Christians claim it to be. And furthermore, uh, you know, we specifically use the word study here and not reading. There's a difference between reading the Bible and studying it. By reading it, your children will learn about key stories and events in the Bible. But by studying it together, by studying the word, they will learn what it all means and how to interpret it correctly. When we study the Bible, we look at questions like who wrote this book? Who were they writing to? Why were they writing it? What does this verse mean in the context of the verses before and after it? How does this apply to my own life? We have to teach our children to ask these questions in the Bible. Of course, we first need to start reading the Bible in this way, studying the Bible, looking for the, the correct way to interpret the text by knowing where it comes from, what its purpose was and so on. Then the fourth tip for having meaningful faith conversations is to proactively and regularly ask your kids what questions they have and ask them questions they, that they might not have even thought about yet. So most par parents tell their kids, you know, if you have questions, you're welcome to ask me. And then they, they end there. They believe that kids will ask questions uh, about faith because they've been told that they can. You know, my door is open. You can always ask me a question if you want to. And although this door is open, kids won't necessarily walk through it. Maybe out of fear of your reaction, they feel ashamed that they have this question, that they are doubting in something. Or maybe just really out of, out of mere disinterest. Um, they, they couldn't actually bother to, to ask the question. So you have to proactively pull your kids' questions to the forefront of the conversation. You... You don't have to have all the answers, but you do have to create the space and the forum for the questions to be brought forth. Actually, one of the other tips that she gives is to seek the answers together with your children. So also make them internet savvy and show them how to, to Google for questions. Obviously, that's when they are older um, and can read and write and, and so on. But to also uh, uh, teach them critical thinking skills in looking for answers. You don't have to have all the answers, but you have to be the safe place where they can voice their questions and, and feel that they won't be um, pushed to the side or judged or be told that these questions are, are not important or whatever. But there's more to these questions obviously you have to pull the questions that they have out of them but also you can furthermore even ask your kids questions that they don't ask of you questions that they haven't thought about for example uh, a kid as a kid uh, we probably don't think about the strangeness of Jesus's resurrection and because we just learn it as a fact and it's just how it is Jesus died and then he was rose from the dead now, <laughs> though we don't think about this question, it takes about 30 seconds for an atheist to point out for the first time just how crazy and how unscientific that actually sounds to make a kid question everything he believes. So that's why Natasha says we have to proactively also ask them um, the questions they have, but also ask them questions that they haven't yet thought about, which we know are important and put these questions in front of them and seek the answers together. Now the fifth and the last tip uh, for 
having deeper, meaningful conversations about faith is, you've guessed it, <laughs> to start today. Now, we're very good at conjuring up very, very realistic excuses to not start today, like, I don't have kids. <laughs> Perfect, easy way out. Um, or my child is just a baby. Or uh, in my case, my child isn't even born yet. Or my child is a toddler. Or you obviously don't know my child because he retreats completely when we start talking about serious topics. We really can't. Uh, this is not uh, for our family. Now, the reality is, and the thing we really need to to be reminded of is that you don't have an indefinite amount of time to impact your kids faith. The reality is by the age of 13 most people have formed a significant portion of their eventual adult faith, the age of 13 already. I think uh, kids are super susceptible between the age of, of four and seven um, for, for the truths they believe. By the age of 13 you know, it's, it's done. <laughs> Not really, of course, um, things can change after that. But the, the thing to hear is that you don't have an indefinite amount of time. You have to start now and use the time, buy out the time that you have with your kids. Now, none of these excuses mentioned um, actually applies to point one, which is deepen your own understanding for Christianity. You have to equip yourself to be the kind of person who can have these kinds of conversations, whether it is with your own children, with other children, with adults, with your spouse, with your parents, with your brothers and sisters. Um, it's, it's Christianity 101 to deepen our own understanding of our faith. And then point two is actually also exempt from these excuses because it is make spiritual space in your home. So you have to get in the habit of talking about hard topics and studying the Bible, even when your children are still very, very young, or even if you don't have children yet. Get into that habit of reading, studying, uh, talking, thinking through things so that, it, so that you become the kind of person who can have those conversations. So the, the beauty is, the thing is, we can all be parents who bring up Timothys, the Loises and the Eunices in the world, who bring up kids who can say, well, you know, I know my parents and I've grown up in a home where I've seen the love, I've seen the sincere faith, I've seen the love for the word and I am building my faith on that. Now, in the, same, in the same breath, we have to repeat what Marianne also said uh, during her talk, and that this, uh, these tips and this way of bringing up your children is not a purchase. You're not sure of the outcome. It's an investment. You are putting in and putting in, and it's still a risk in the sense of you, you can't buy your child's faith. But you can invest and you can make the time and you can do whatever you can and prayerfully ask the Lord to, to incline your child's heart towards him. All right, so I, I would like to, to end off for us in prayer. Let's close our eyes. 
Lord, thank you for the opportunities that we have with our children. Lord, thank you that we as parents are the primary uh, sources of, of spiritual upbringing in our children's lives. Lord, I pray that you will um, that you will bless each parent in dialogue and that we will grow as a faith community and that we will also support each other in this very hard task of raising our children in, in front of you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.